Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 164. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me, and we're setting a little bit of history here, Cold Coffee. The very first MMA Roadshow ever taped after 18 holes of golf. <laughs> that is true. I was like, what first did we do now? 164 episodes, man. That's that's good stuff, man. I, I appreciate the uh, that we've been able to do this, and... Uh, that's crazy. I appreciate you guys coming along for the ride. But, yeah, man, uh, John had some, uh, a round of golf set up for us today. I, I don't know if and it was, was a awesome. wise decision. I mean, it was fun. We got it to hang great. out. We got to hang out. We got to hang out with Brett Okamoto. He yeah. was there. My buddy Tony was yeah. there with us as well. We I had think a, the wise decision was to do the uh, – how do you call that format little, that we did? A little two-man scramble, The two-man scramble. Yep. Best ball. Best ball. Like, that that worked out because, uh, to be honest, I haven't hit a golf ball. I haven't brought those clubs out in probably over 10 years. I probably didn't play the last few years while I was in Columbus, and then uh, I haven't touched them at all. They've been in my garage or in whatever the first apartment I had. They sat in the closet, and uh, today they finally brought them Dusted out. Dusted them off. Yeah, and it's funny because I imagine – And, by the way, let's let's go. The, the nickname is there now. <laughs> now, that, now that the golf has been played – Kenbo Slice. Kenbo Slice. Kenbo Slice. Because basically, cold coffee knows that his, <laughs> if you want to call it a slice. My power fade. If you want to call it a power fade, it's a strong power fade. It's a strong power fade. Basically, he knows when he's getting up on the tee that this ball is going right. <laughs> Kenbo Slice knows the ball is going right. So he literally just, you know, puts his shoulder to the flag <laughs> And then takes like a 45-degree angle to the left <laughs> over here and aims over there. And at first I wanted to say something to him because he was on my team. We were playing, you know, two-man scramble. Me and Cole Coffee were together. We were going up against <laughs> Tony and, and Brett Okamoto. And, and I wanted to say something to him. But I noticed that at a 45-degree left angle over here, <laughs> your ball would end up straight in the fairway. Yeah, it works. It, it is the most bizarre thing. And – you're not the first person that just that wants to be like, wait, 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 bro. There's houses over there. Don't, don't yeah. point that way. I'm just like, trust me, trust me. It's gonna happen. It's just gonna curve over, and uh, it did. <laughs> not all the times. There was yeah. a couple times where it, it stayed. It stayed. It decided to go straight. But you know, while I'm pointing to the side, it's never a good thing. But uh, but yeah, most of the time the the, the Kenbo slice worked out, and uh, it was awesome, man. Yeah, and if time. you guys and if you guys don't know. Brett Okamoto, man, that dude can fucking – he can slam the ball, man. He was man. banging it. He was banging dude, it. Brett Okamoto off the tee. Don't get in a long drive contest with that guy. Yeah. Man, I like his gear. Like, uh, again, my club set is probably easily, shoot, 13 years old or something. And I can see the differences. when, And it's funny because I used to play golf when I played in a band with a guy. He had, like, an old set of wood drivers, like oh, legit like wood legit drivers. Wood. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the heads Persimmon. were so small. Right. So, like, I'm like, man, like – Golf had to be so tough back then to use that kind of gear. And Brett's driver, and even yours, is a bit of like an, I don't know if they call it an oversized yeah, or oversized, oversized driver. Um, so it's got a big, wide face on it, and it just feels like you can swing balls out and you're going to make contact with that right. ball. But even with that, you know, you still have to have decent form or you're going to hit it hard, but it's just going to go further in a, in the opposite direction. But he was smashing it, man, and uh, it was fun. That was that was a lot more fun uh, than I initially thought. I was I was 
I was nervous, to be honest. I was nervous going out there. You know, I hadn't played in so long, and I, I was like, man, I'm just going to slow everybody down. I was I was thinking the, the excuses in my head of why I wasn't going to go. And I was like, all right, just do it. Just do it. I, you know, it'll be worth it. And it was probably uh, one of the funner outings, outdoor yeah. outings that we had I've a done good time. here in so Vegas. If, yeah. So, you know, if you, if you ever uh, – Aliante. We should say we had the, the Aliante Golf Club. Aliante Golf Club, which is uh, never been North Las Vegas, man. It was kind of on the edge of town. We could see the mountains. It was great. See the mountains, and it's up by uh, Nellis. So, yeah. Nellis Air Force Base. So, we're having, like, F-16s, B-1 bombers, like uh, – That was cool. All kinds of shit. Like, I I eat that stuff up, so I was digging it, man. I was – I was woo. That was cool. I was I was digging. We're not, we're not the biggest golfers in the world, but hey, listen, if if we do and and we don't get a lot of spare time, <laughs> unless you're talking about body size, well, we probably well, yes, are we some are of the biggest, some of the biggest golfers in the world. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, the uh, the MMA Rocha was down to uh, to play around if we're ever in your town. You know, I mean, it's a chance to get outside. We hit the frosty bridge. Don't fresh air. We do. Oh yes. That's Even though the the worst part was there was uh, no. Uh, Beverage carts going around. I know. You know, we thought at one point that that the they said that the manager, because the the normal cart person didn't show up, so that the manager was running around. We're like, it doesn't matter. It could be a cute girl. It could be a do as just, long just as the it's cold beverages. beverages. And it actually worked out so that when we rounded the bend, uh, going from the ninth to the the tenth, we made a pit stop yep. at the at the clubhouse and re re upped on the frosty beverages and uh, took a little pit stop. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it was great. It, it may great be fun. a good idea to, to to play 18 holes before the May Road Show. It may be a bad idea. I'm not sure. Well, it's I've, at I've, least I've, I've, I've definitely I've, I'm definitely Road Show ready at this point. I'm uh, just saying that, that. Yeah, that's for sure. And I'm glad we did it uh, now as opposed to the middle of like August oh, yes, or something yes. like it. It could have been because it 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 took us about. Yeah, we did five, five hours. Yeah, yeah about, we were right about five hours. We let a couple of people play through that had smaller groups than we did. So we, we some we of the played ballers through. too, man. Some of the ones that there was that the first group of two that went through were smashed, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I wanted to give them that the little good. golf clap. I was like, was well good. done, well done. That was good. That was good. Well, fun. it was fun. So, uh, and ironically, because we had set this up about a week out. We we got to be with Brett Okamoto yes, when news. the big ESPN announcement came out. The area Hawani is moving over from MMA fighting to ESPN, uh, so we got to be hanging out with ESPN's Brett Okamoto. Now, of course, I guess I should say if we're peeling back the curtain a little bit, damn near everybody in the industry knew this was happening. I didn't uh, know it was happening. It was, shut up! You I, knew <laughs> everybody knew. It was I knew happening. he wanted to this, go, this but this I had guess been I out didn't. there for a while. This is this yeah. has been out there for a while, but it was the official announcement today. Yeah, uh, we've been hearing rumblings for for quite some time. Uh, good for him, of course. I mean, I know this is a place that Ariel wants to be. Um, I tell you what, I, what I'm interested to see is uh, I think the next six. Because here's the thing: is I think everybody knew that he was going to ESPN. What I didn't know is that it was going to happen as soon as June. The announcement came out today that's going to be in yeah. June. Um, yeah, that's roughly like just over two weeks, right? Th- that's right. Now, we don't know exactly what the first date is, and Brett actually admitted he was like, I don't know what his start date is either. He's like, I know it's sometime in June. Uh, when so the interesting, Well, that, see, so that's the interesting part, USC 225, uh, right around the corner. Well, that's June June uh, 9th. Because so, uh, I did see the Casey put on Twitter. Casey did say that Chicago was going to be the last event that he does with them. So, okay, so he is doing that Chicago so 225 card. Will 225 will probably be the last, be his last okay. event. So. I, because I think everybody knew it was coming. I, you know, Knowing that the broadcast deal doesn't start until 2019, I didn't know if maybe they'd stall it a little bit and put it off till later in the year. But yeah. you might as well go ahead and start building up your, your, your audience, right? Right. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting time. I think the next six months or so are going to be interesting because I'm telling you right now, there's going to be other movements. Like Jeff Wagenheim had already gone. And this is the whole thing. 
Where was if he? If you with? look, if you look Jeff. behind the scenes, he was at the Washington Post for okay, a little while. Yeah. Um, he ended up going to ESPN as well, and, and I think a lot of people probably saw the writing on the wall at that point. Like, hey, listen, you know, why is Jeff Wagenheim moving over to ESPN to you know beef up their combat sports? And, and I think if you saw the writing on the wall, you could definitely see it at that point. Like, oh, okay, I see what's about to happen here. Um, but which here's wall, the interesting: which is, wall do you look for? What, your writing. Just, you're no walls or the like, wall, the wall, the wall. It's just another brick in the wall. <laughs> I think nice. I think what's going to be interesting to see is where where the movement is after this. Yeah. Because he, I, the, listen, some of the people you know, some of the people that you relate to, some of the people that you listen to, the, there's going to be a shift, and this is what always happens when there's when there's broadcast yeah. uh, deals signed. Yep, stuff. yep. People are going to move around. So right. uh, I, I think the next couple months are going to be pretty interesting to see. Uh, from a media perspective, who moves where, who does what? Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a new landscape. And let's forget, or let's not forget, I should say, you know, the ESPN Plus deal we already know about. There's still another deal in place. This, the, yeah. the actual broadcast deal still needs to be signed. I, 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 I've been hearing that Fox is still the the the, the leading candidate, but yeah. who knows? Which who makes knows? sense that if there was people were saying that they thought there was going to be a Fox ESPN partnership. Sounds like this is the ESPN part that we were talking about. So it still makes sense that Fox would maintain that partnership. And maybe it's a matter of – I know that they wanted more money per year, but maybe uh, due to the fact that they got this influx coming from the ESPN Plus, maybe they don't need to have That's as much per it. year. But who knows? But uh, I still, I still, I'm still pretty confident I think Fox is going to – Come up with whatever number they need to to maintain. That. And I just all of a sudden, I just don't see somebody coming in. And, all of a sudden, the UFC is going to be real close to that four hundred million dollar a year that everybody said they couldn't get. Everybody <laughs> said that oh my god, Endeavor ruined themselves. Yeah. Have we heard the and, amount and, for the ESPN Plus? One hundred fifty a year. So that's one hundred fifty. So if you so get two hundred to two fifty a year. And what were they getting? What did it end? They were on? getting like one twenty a year. Yeah, but didn't from it Fox? go? Didn't it go up towards the end? Like I thought it. Maybe no. I thought it was scaled. That was the high. Yes, that, that was, was the high part. They've already beat so the high. They've already end. surpassed it. I'm telling you, man, they killed it. I, this is what frustrates me is because you and I have have always kind of talked about how we thought things were good and things were better, and you know I've always said, listen, and, and I said from day one, listen, these people that have four billion dollars to spend. They don't risk money. They don't come in. They, they're not Vegas gamblers. You know what I'm saying? They come in because they know what's up. And, yeah. and people, oh, oh, you guys are homers. You guys are homers. Yeah. Too- How many years is the ESPN deal? Five years. So five years. So they're already, that's what, $600 million? Is it $120 million or $140 million? How much is it per for the ESPN Plus? I know you just told me. and I- math is terrible. Well, I, that's why I forgot. What the, I forgot what the, I forgot what the dollar amount Five years at 150 so Okay. 750. So $750. Wow, fuck. Right there. Dude, right there, that's crazy. So roughly, say if they get maybe 150 out of Fox. No, they're gonna get two to 250. You so think? they're I I I tell you, I'm telling you right now, they're either gonna end up with 350 or 400 million, <sighs> exactly where they said they'd be. That's tough. I wonder. Two I, two sounds doable, but I would still think that they might scale it maybe and start with like 100. 50, 175, nah. and then maybe end the last. There's no way ones. they're gonna. They're, there's no way gonna. They're, they're gonna pay what got paid for, you know, online streaming stuff. They're gonna have to pay more. I'm telling you, 
Telling but I mean, they're going to get they're getting less out of it because there's so much more now getting driven. But they're still getting stuff the on ESPN network Plus. television. They're still getting stuff on. Yeah, but they want. I don't see how they can have as many events as they're having this year if they're putting all this other stuff on. If they're putting 15 events, well, that's events what remains to be seen. On and, ESPN and listen, Plus. I've been talking to some people behind the scenes, and they said, "Listen, it's still pretty fluid behind the scenes." Yeah, because that's what remains to be seen is how does UFC Fight Pass work out? How does you know how does this all I've heard, work like, out? Like less. Less pay-per-views? Right. Like, whether it be like only like six pay-per-views? I don't think there's going to be less pay-per-views. I hate to say it, but I don't think there's going to be less I guess if you have to, but if you have to have content for these broadcast things, you got to have something for Fox. you yep. got to have something for ESPN+. Plus. Yep. There's, there's only so many events. But I'm telling you, man, the ESPN you know? is going to start blowing up. I mean, look, they just went and invested in Ariel. They already went and invested in Jeff Wagenheim. They're going to – I mean, they're going to start doing more stuff. Now there's a there's a, a podcast with, with or, or a show I should say not even a podcast like a show with with Ariel and Chell Sonnen and you know what I mean like there's going to be sort all of like, this program it, it'll be on ESPN Plus it'll okay be on ESPN. but do you think that's just going to be like the MMA Hour but with Chael Sonnen pretty much I well they said it's going to be a thirty minute show though so MMA half hour the MMA half but hour called something else we'll see. it's it's Ariel and the bad guy which is a pretty Ariel. bad it's a pretty bad title it's yeah bad title. I mean but. But I love it, Chael, man. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I dig it. Chael's and good. I can see those two playing it, you know, like, uh, you know, I can see Chael having fun pushing uh, pushing the line a little bit with Ariel because Ariel, you know, will try to play the straight man in, in Chael. Right. There is no straight man in Chael. Like, Chael will push the boundaries. So, I mean, it could be interesting. Uh, you know, I didn't know what to think about Brendan Schaub at first. I was just like, oh, I don't know. But, man, I love that show. Yeah. So I, I, I have faith that this could – you know, there's two good guys. That, hey, I mean, both of them can carry the show on I'm, their own. I'm so telling I mean, it makes right sense now, that'll work. I'm telling you right now, the thing is that I'm happy about is just, look, this is MMA in front of more eyeballs. Sure. You know what I mean? This it's is great. It. MMA is always going to be a niche sport. There's no question about it, right? Like, there's, yeah. there's no – there's no t- I know that, you know – Dana likes to say it's going to be bigger than soccer. Like, no, it's not going to be bigger than soccer. But the more eyeballs it gets in front Maybe of, the in more Boise, people Idaho. get used to. That's right. <laughs> no, the more people that it gets, I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, I'm, I inter- agree. I'm interested to see what happens over these next couple months. Because, again, you know, now you've got a big hole in MMA fighting. How do they fill that? You know what I mean? And if somebody goes to fill that hole, then how do they fill that hole? And where do people go? Yeah. I mean, this is. And and is ESPN going to hire more people? Is Fox going to hire more people if they re up? If it's yeah. not Fox, are they if done? It's somebody are they done else? hiring? Probably not, right? Oh man, it's 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 going to be incredibly interesting. I can see him probably trying to go. snack snag some people from the UFC themselves. Probably. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting to see. Interesting. So. That's so, no, so congrats to, to all parties but involved, man. That's absolutely. Good, congrats good shit, everybody. Man. It was fun to be able to hang out with Brett Okamoto when, yeah. when when the deal got announced because of course you know he had, he he was. He he knew well what was going on. He yeah. had kept his mouth shut for a long time, but he knew well what was going on as well. So it was kind of fun to pick his brain and, and talk to him about what was going on. So it's gonna be interesting. Uh, listen, you're back from Brazil. Yeah. Uh, by the way, can I just say uh, I was a little bit jealous listening to the roadshow segment that I was not involved in in Brazil. Was it fun? The, the production value. The the production <laughs> value. I mean, when you went to go answer the door and, and bring in <laughs> right. Right? I mean... I was like, who can that be knocking on that door? You guys brought incredible production <laughs> value to the table. Which... I literally thought I was going to get kicked out of my room by the end. Because on the left side, I'm pretty sure uh, it was Kelleher to my room to the left. Oh, really? And then some Brazilian uh, family or fighter or, or somebody was off to my right. So, so you had fighters on both group, sides. I think. But I'm not quite sure. I know for sure I think it was Kelleher's team. Because I saw them coming out one day. Because when we, we checked in, I... I was uh, able to hop on that bus, that shuttle from the airport, so right. I knew we were getting there at the same time. Right. 
then I heard some other Americans coming into the room. They were still at the thing when I got up to my room and I was like, oh shit, I think Keller and them are right next to me. And I felt bad because I took a couple panoramic views from my, uh, my room. I had a balcony. Right. And so as I'm taking pictures, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. And I'm going to pan to the right. Oh, there's a beach. Let me walk over to the edge of my, my balcony. But like where my balcony ends and just a, a couple feet, like that's where my wall ends. But the wall, like, goes in about three feet and then continued about another eight feet. That was the back window of Kelleher's room. So it felt like I would look when like when I went to take a picture of yeah, the yeah. beach down, it looked like I was like partially shooting in this room. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to do that shot anymore. I was like, I don't want to seem like a creeper, but, um, man, uh, that was a great fight, but it was, it was, uh, it was super, super interesting. It was, uh, so like as that night was going on, you know, we're taping and this was before the crazy shit that happened later on that night. Um, I literally thought I kept telling him, I was like, and you know, when those guys get going, like Fernanda can get very loud. Oh yes. Albert is so loud. loud. And I'm just like, guys, I'm like doing these hand motions, like bring it in, bring it in. And I'm like, literally like, I'm going to have a fighter knocking on my door in, like, two minutes, like, tell me to shut the hell up. All right, so listen, I, I, that's where I want to get into it with you, though, is because essentially, like, while you guys were recording this segment of the MMA Road or just show, after. Is, is basically when everybody got robbed on the beach, yeah. right? And, and so that's what I want to ask you about because, uh, you know, I mean, you and I have gone to Brazil quite a lot, either individually or together. And, I mean, we – I mean, we, we, we talked about it last week. I mean, we joked about it, you know, like how much we love, like finishing work and just going and, and going over the to cabana. the kiosk, right, yep. the cabana over there, and, and drinking some beer. And, you know, I mean, hell, you were making jokes about stabbings and robberies in Brazil and stuff last week, <laughs> and then all of a sudden – uh, there was a robbery. <laughs> the, yeah, the damn thing happened. So um, yeah, it was crazy. Dude, get, just give me an idea because I mean the story got out. It was funny because I mean, uh, you know, I I knew about it and I was kind of surprised that people picked up on it as a news story. I mean, I guess it is a news story, right? Well, I guess it's a news story once once the president of the company starts tweeting people and saying, well, "Hey, by true. the way," like he set it up. Like honestly. The PR staff didn't want it to get out. They right. were really upset right. that it did and, and the way that uh, Dana handled it um, because there's been so many, like, excuse me. Yeah, because Dana <laughs> ended up uh, telling I mean, Brett Nakamoto about it. But yeah, yeah, he, he, he let Brett know, there. and he wasn't there. He didn't experience. He didn't have anybody besides a couple random staffers that, that went through it. So for him to, to break the news when a lot of families hadn't even heard really what was going on, you know. So that's not what you want to, you know – so everybody was getting tons of calls, and it was in the middle of the night. Everybody started getting calls after that. Um, are Just you okay? Safety, are you all right? Yeah. You know, rather than um, let people sort of reach out and kind of say what had happened. So I mean, I get it why why he wanted to do that, but it just felt weird. And it, the PR was crushed the next day. They were so stressed out because the, the next day was early weigh-ins, and seeing on their faces, they were just like, we can't believe, one, that it happened, and two, how that it sort of got handled um, because they don't want people – I mean – it, Brazil already has sort of a perception, you know, like things are not going great down there right now. So the last thing you want to to highlight and spotlight is that it's unsafe to go to their country. Right. You know, um, I, I think they're very happy and they're proud of the country. They realize that shit like this can happen. But, you know, you got to understand it was it was one thirty in the morning when it happened in an area we were in a further they were in an area but where we were staying is an area of the beach that isn't quite as populated not quite further down as the windsor baja that we normally would stay at um and a couple nights had happened where 
you know, people had stayed out there pretty late, so I, they kind of made it themselves a little bit more of a target. And I'm not trying to put any blame on what anybody did because people are just doing what you do yeah, in Brazil. Yeah, you work and then you hang out. But when you look at a lot of the other cabanas and kiosks and stuff later in the evenings and, you know, some of the things that I had heard is that a lot of Brazilians weren't really going to these things. Like, these things are pretty much more for tourists late late night. You know, they're next to the hotels, but, you, you know, unless there's just a local that's like, hey, there's no other watering hole nearby, I'm going to go walk over to a cabana. Brazilians aren't frequenting these things right. as much as a lot of the tourists are. Um, so it, it, I don't want to, you know, put blame on and on any of our group, you know, for the fact that, you know, maybe we could have been a little, they could have been a little bit smarter because, you know, it could have been any of us doing what we did any other night over many, many years. Oh, yeah. That it was just felt like it was a matter of like it was I that robbery lottery. I assumed I'd be there. If you were there, I guarantee we probably would have recorded over there and we probably right. would have got all of our shit stolen, you know. And it's it's unfortunate when you hear how it sort of went down, you know, this car pulls up and there were uh, three guys get out of the car and the car proceeded to go further back down the street. One guy walks past the cabana, gets a water. And by the time that he got back with the water, which if people were, I guess, if you in hindsight and you sit and you're like, okay, if I was really watching the situation, would the hairs on the back of my neck stand up like something seems odd. This guy is walking down to the next cabana when clearly there's a cabana here that sells whatever this guy could probably look in at. Um, That the way these guys started their deal, they started on one end of their, it's like, so the cabana had, there's the main area where you can walk up and order your drinks. They're seating to the left and they're seating to the right. They started on the right side. If you're facing the cabana, they started on the right side and robbed a table that was at the end and then proceeded to walk over to the cabana and actually robbed the, the owner of the cabana <laughs> and then walked over and, uh, I don't know if it was Matty Rads. I heard that one manager say like it was him, but I heard that it was uh, Matty Rad or whatever. Grabbed his phone, you know, and he turned around and was like, "What the hell? You know, what are you doing?" And the guy showed a gun, and then stuck the gun back into his waistband, you know. And you know, part of my thinking, I was glad I wasn't there because me being me would probably think like that's the point where I'd want to jump on a guy because <laughs> if you're ever gonna have a gun, you I don't, don't stick it back in your fucking waistband because well, then, then it's it's fucking useless. Right. That's like rule 101 of dumb fucking gun usage. Um, but it was at that point that a gentleman walked over on the other side and brandished his out, and that would have been the part where I got shot. Right. Going for the other guy. <laughs> that's where. I, other that's guy. where I would have got shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> And so I guess it happened pretty quickly. It was a matter of moments and stuff, but they quickly ran through. And um, did you hear about how they got their shit back? No. All right, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll let you know at the end. So they, um, and I don't, I wasn't really supposed to know, but I kind of got it. But I'll, I'll, I like I'll, it. I'll I like find it. a way I that like we can it. sort right. of say it. Um, they had, you know, grabbed Lillian, one of the PRs. They grabbed her necklace, pulled that out, grabbed her phone. Grabbed, I want to say her purse, oh, and so inside that. of her purse, she had, she's getting ready to move here to America. Yeah, yeah. So she had her visa, and she had all the shit that she needed to oh. move to the states. Um, grabbed uh, Christian's stuff, grabbed his phone, Maddie's phone. Um, so they grabbed mainly phones. Um, you know, I heard stories. Uh, the the one guy that got the gun put up against his head, I guess, you know, was trying to act like he didn't have anything, and he patted his leg. And his phone was touch sensitive, so it, it light went off. 
And that's where they were like, you fucking with us, whatever. Right. And stuck the gun up against his head. And that's when everybody was just like, okay, shit's real. Just give him Here's, here's yeah, your yeah. stuff. I did hear a story of uh, one of our guys, uh, of our uh, fighter relations dudes, as they see it sort of coming on, switched his stuff out of his front pockets to his back pocket. Right. And then as they were like, you know, you got anything? He's patting. He's like, I ain't got anything. I ain't got anything. So and they were trying to move pretty quick, so they didn't. Yeah, really, yeah, they they weren't yeah, like yeah. frisking anybody. So he was able to get out and get through. So, and all in all, they said it only took like a minute or two minutes, which I can't believe. It seemed it probably oh, was like one of those things too, long. where like the Pro- time it was slowed less down. Than that. It was probably yeah. less than a minute. So it went pretty quick and efficient for how these guys did it and stuff. But so what I was told, and uh, uh, <coughs> I won't say who told me, and I'm what's the best way to sort it because it sort of like told me. It was like it's off the record, yeah, right? Yeah, because there was something that came out later that they got, they got the most of back. their stuff back. Right. So <clears throat> how that came to be is the the UFC's been putting a lot of effort into even like with this thing with like Big Nog and like putting uh, – Oh, investing in the money, favelas. Investing into the favelas and investing into these centers right. where people can go and get help, you know, when they're really trying to build them up. So um, in one of these favelas – uh, somebody was looking through the paperwork and all the shit that they had, the booty, and noticed a uh, UFC card and noticed, like, uh, something with Lillian's, like her credential. Then oh, they're like, wow. oh, shit. You know, like we you just robbed we just robbed people. some UFC people. So somebody gathered up all the pass- passports and the, all the paperwork, Holy credit shit. cards, even the cards, and put them all back and dropped it off at one of the centers in one of those favelas. And that's how they got their shit back. Wow. So they call it like a good Samaritan or something, but it was literally one of the guys that fucking was with the group, whoever yeah, robbed it, went back. Like, they realized that, oh shit, you know. These are people that have been trying to help us. These are people that have been trying to help us. You know, these are not just normal tourists. They still lost the phones. All the phones, everything was gone. But uh, a lot IDs of them. IDs and credit cards. IDs and credit cards, at least for one of the people that I spoke with. Uh, got it back. So, but at that point, they had already canceled all the cards. So, what stuff. does that make you feel about like going to Because I'm not gonna lie, like that happened, and it's I so mean, funny. Because listen, as you said, if I'd have been there, I, we'd have probably been on that kiosk. Like our schedule <laughs> sure. would have been different. We'd probably we'd have been robbed. And I didn't even tell my wife about it, man. I didn't say anything about it because yeah, I don't. I mean, I've been down to Brazil 29 times. My streak ended, but I've been down there 29 times. Thank you very much for the refills. Uh. But I didn't say anything because I didn't want her to necessarily get a, a, an adverse opinion. What do you feel? I mean, do you feel like – do you feel less – because you went down there on your own this time. It, do you uh, feel less safe? Do you feel like like when the next trip comes out – I mean, we got Sao Paulo. I mean, Sao Paulo is a different town. Yes but- and no. It, it, it definitely put a damper on what normally is a really, really fun trip. Like it kind of took the, the wind out of the sails. Like it was just such a downer experience. You know, thank goodness – it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse, and then it probably would have been a whole different feel for me if somebody actually got injured, and there was you know could have been oh, worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I would have I probably would have been a, a lot a, more jaded about been it. Discharged, right? yeah. Somebody been beat up or so, something. So for the fact that it ended as smoothly as it did, uh, if there's a, a way to not feel as bad about it, I I feel that way because I feel like it didn't go as bad as. It could have been most of the people that lost their phones. They were UFC provided phones. They're all getting new phones. Um, And for them to be able to get the cards, it sucks. It's a hassle. It's a lot of stress. I mean, I would never want that on anybody. So it could have been worse. But for me, it did kind of change the fact because 
you know, uh, we didn't go back to the cabana if we if you wanted to. You didn't the rest of the I week. thought about going over did like maybe during the day. Did they tell people not to? Or yeah, they pretty, did. did. They pretty, pretty much made it off. They pretty much made it off limits. Uh, they there was a pool upstairs on the top floor and had a bar that stayed open at to some point, but then some people just went and would get beer and just drank up there. That was pretty much where we hung out. Yeah, well, it was kind of it was kind of like a. Uh, the security team just felt they're like, you know, this is not safe. Like, they're like, we don't want anybody going back over to the cabana. Go eat your dinner. Go do whatever. And if you feel like you need to have a couple drinks to end the night, go up to the pool. We'll have others there. Yeah. And on the last day or two, they had um, – it was mainly you saw them on that last day. But maybe they, they showed up later on on Thursday. They had uh, security personnel outside, stationed outside of the hotel that they didn't have – Wow. On the first day, so they actually had a presence there um, in case something happened. I think a lot of people were scared that they thought it was going to be worse. They thought that it was going to escalate. I guess you know there was all there was like grumblings and and fear of that. They thought that that a possible like hotel raid would happen. Nah, I know it sounds outlandish, but you know you never know. You gotta but, be you careful. Know, right? You gotta I be guess. careful, and that's careful. that's kind of what they sort of protected and treated as what can we do to make sure that some, that we don't get blindsided. Because if it happens, let's, let's be real, like hotel staff is not going to stop somebody coming Hell in no. when they're trying to just come and get out. They're just going to do it. Yeah, right? I mean, they're going to they're gonna back away, get what you need to do, and get out, you know. But um, So I think that's why they went and, and uh, hired some security to be there. Um, but – no, it doesn't change. I, I still love Brazil. I mean, I thought the weather was absolutely incredible. Um, it was so much cooler. I wasn't sweating nearly as much as I normally do <laughs> like when I go down there. As long as you don't mind a robbery or two, the weather is beautiful. <laughs> um, but, uh, don't take your phone out to take a picture of it. <laughs> I mean, we still took – I mean, like, uh, we took Ubers. We even took Ubers without yeah. Brazilians with us, you know. So that was new for me, you know, was uh, – and I guess it was much more commonplace. So whereas I remember in the past, Uber was a hell of a lot more shady yeah, yeah. going down there. And like, we didn't really feel safe for the most part using it, but like we used it. Granted, we were only pretty much going down the street or, uh, going into town to work a couple of the events. But, um, we took it down to that Chiscaria down the street, ate there three times. Mm. What was awesome about it. And I know I was burning out fiasco and I was burning out, uh, Fernanda, I think ate there once or twice with us. I was like, it was either eat at the hotel or eat there, you know, or maybe go into town somewhere, which is Trust crazy. Korea all day. Just crazy because it, it came out to like $20 for all you can eat steak. It wasn't like, is it the fanciest? Is it? No, but it, but it was incredible. I love it. So I was like, dude, I will eat there every day. But I didn't. I ate there three times though. And, uh, but it was great. And I actually got to hang out with, uh, we were talking about MMA fighting earlier. So Esther and Casey were there. And, um, that was fun kind of working with them. And anytime you go anywhere uh, overseas or anywhere and you have other people kind of going through the same grind, the same awkwardness, the same language barriers, the same whatever, um, it's good to have uh, some friendly faces to kind of laugh it off with. So we had some good times with those guys, and uh, it was K- really great. Casey and Esther are strong. It would be interesting to see what – do they end up going somewhere else? Does ESPN start chasing after them? They're pretty damn talented at what they I do. Mean, they're I mean, pretty damn they're rock solid. I, I, I really, I mean, uh, I've always liked those two and totally respected them. But after that trip, man, yeah, I, mean, I love those two, man. I, I want the best for them. So I hope whatever, uh, whatever shakes out, I'm sure they'll be, they'll be fine. But man, 
it was it was a it was a good trip. That's it was, nice. It was a good trip. Well, other than all the fact of, uh, of all, you know, <laughs> the, the, we hear about loss. We hear about loss sometimes, and that's scary. That's true. But you know what? <laughs> what about what about if we want to keep something? Yeah, that's true. All right, so I'll be real with y'all. <laughs> So uh, we've taken on with keeps, and uh, keeps is about uh, you know a keeping brand the new hair. Sponsor of the show. It's a great sponsor, a brand new sponsor of the show, and it's about keeping the hair that's on the top of your head. And they that's approached it. us, and I said, "Listen, have you seen this I man's curls?" Hair. I was like, "I got a lot of hair." Now, granted, <laughs> some of it's turning gray, which is scary. Dude, I got I got the flex of gray going like, and that's not what keeps is about. No, that's that's like that's why I said hair I was like, you got to turn to my man cold coffee. <laughs> I'll be real, y'all. I'm 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 kind of I can be vain at times, you know. I I find myself, you know, when I see a snapshot of somebody's like, oh, let me cover the media day. They take a snapshot from behind. I'm like, oh shit, my shit's starting to get thin on the top. It's starting to starting to wear out a little bit, you know. So the fact that keeps came around. Is is a blessing, and for you folks, maybe you've noticed that you have a little less hair than you used to have, but you're not sure there's a real solution. The thing is, there are two clinically proven medications that let you keep your hair, and now they're inexpensive and easy to get. You don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to, and that's why I want to tell you about Keeps. For five minutes now and just $1 a day, you never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few questions and snap some photos. We all know how to take a selfie. I even have figured out how to take a selfie. I started with selfies. Took a nice one on the golf course today. I did take a nice one on the golf course with all of us with the little little waterfall and stuff. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So a licensed doctor remotely reviews your information and recommends the right treatment for you all without you ever leaving your couch. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've never gotten them this easy for this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. We got your hookup, y'all. It's one hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. There's no reason to put this off any longer. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash road. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash road. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash road. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. <laughs> I love that. It's a fantastic read. That's a fantastic line. But, you know, it's, it's shit I started to worry about now. I like the, I, you know, I'm getting older. You know, it's getting grayer and it's getting thinner, you know, and... I want to keep what I got. Right. That's all I gotta say. It's not being vain. It's just keeping it real, y'all. Let's keep. I want to keep the gray hair. That yeah, I got. So we we had some advertisers reach out to us. Keeps.com said, "Would you be interested?" And Cold Coffee said, "Yes, I would." Yes, I would, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen. I want. I do want to talk a couple more things about USC two twenty four. But uh, before we do that, uh, I, I want to. Uh, I, I want to bring in this interview. I had. I had a chance to go to Los Angeles earlier this week. Um, and Simon Simano deserves all the credit for setting this up, but Mauro um, Ronaldo is is coming out with this documentary. It, it, it airs uh, next week. Actually, is the debut uh, May twenty fifth. Um, the bipolar rock and roll or bipolar rock and roll is what's called, uh, which of course is Mauro Ronaldo's nickname. If you're listening to this show, I'm assuming you know who Mauro Ronaldo is, but legendary combat sports announcer. I mean, it d- did it for Pride, uh, you know, did it for Strike Force, is doing it for Bellator at this point, is doing WWE, is doing boxing. I mean, the guy is an incredible, incredible broadcaster and uh, has dealt with a bipolar disorder his entire life. 
And, uh, man, I'm telling you, this show is powerful. Hopefully you've seen the preview. It's uh, If you haven't, man, just search out the preview. It's strong. I've actually seen the full thing, and it uh, it is uh, – I'm going to be honest with you, man. It brought me to tears a couple times. It's not easy to watch, man, especially, you know, I feel like, you know, I mean, I actually know more pretty well, uh, but, uh, you know, I think everybody that's a, that's a part of this industry feels like they know him to at least some degree. And so to not only watch somebody suffer through this stuff, but to, to, to watch somebody that, that you kind of know um, suffer is, is, is pretty powerful. And so I had a chance to talk to, to talk to more of Nala. Of course, he's been doing the, the media rounds, but, uh, he certainly has. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. And I, and I'm proud, man, that he's people are talking that. about, and that's what it's all about is, is opening up dialogue, talking that's about it. this stuff. So we talked about him and then, and then, you know, of course I got in some other questions. I got him to talk about some other things, what he thinks about Ronda Rousey, what he thinks about, Floyd about me? Mayweather, what he thinks about. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean <laughs> that was off camera. That was off camera. But of course. Oh, okay. uh, so uh, so listen, uh, yeah, a few more things I want to talk about the UFC two twenty four and some other things, but uh, I want everybody to hear this interview, which by the way, is going to be debuted here because we're not even gonna put it on junkie, YouTube, anywhere, anything until next week. So uh oh, show listeners. Getting the scoop, son. Here's uh, the bipolar rock and roller himself, Mauro Ronaldo. Well, Mauro, this is a uh, an absolutely fantastic project that you've put together, but, I mean, you had to bare your soul a little bit to do it. So i got to ask, first and foremost, I mean, what was the idea? What was the logic? Why did you say, I'm willing to put myself out there like this? Uh, when I went to Toronto in 2006 to work for the Fight Network, I uh, befriended uh, a guy by the name of Harris Usanovich, 15 years younger than me at the time, in his early 20s, just out of uh, Ryerson University, and uh, an, an editor and an aspiring cameraman and filmmaker. And we began to, to spend a lot of time together. We became quick friends, and I got to know his family, and uh, he began to see me out of the office a lot more in my apartment where we would just hang out. And... It was interesting, I guess, because he was a Pride Fighting Championships fan, so he already knew I was, and, and a big fan of mine, a supporter of mine, watched Muay Thai, which I used to do back when he was a kid, 1999-2000 uh, on TSN in Canada. So the more social time we spent together, the more he realized, wow, there is a, I, I'm, I'm beginning to notice some real changes and, and interesting patterns here with Moro. So one, he showed me a short film he had made in his native Bosnia, where his family's from, and it's just a, and I'm like, you did this by yourself? He goes, yeah. I'm like, dude, you've got talent, man. This is great. So then the more he, he saw me, he finally just said, more, we got to do something with this. Like, it's an amazing, I, I can't believe you go and call the biggest boxing matches, biggest MMA. You're on Fight Network every day. You're on the radio. You don't, and yet, bro, you're, you're dealing with some serious stuff here, man. And I, I, I think there's something we can do. And I, I've always been an advocate for mental health. I gave myself the nickname Bipolar Rock and Roller way back in the 90s when, you know, as much as we don't talk about mental health now, back then it was almost non-existent. And if, if it was broached, it was done uh, in a very pejorative way. So I, I said, okay, well, maybe we can do a short film on this and, you know, raise awareness or something, a viral video of some kind where we can at least start the conversation. The more we went into this and the more he realized how much of my life was actually on tape because I started my career at 16, uh, on, you know, wrestling in Canada and even just stuff that we had recorded. Uh, I've always been on camera, always been a bit of a ham, always a performer. We realized that, yeah, this is probably a documentary and, and it is a rather unique and compelling look at not only someone who was, you know, working at the highest level of his profession, but what that person has had to endure and, and, and go through. 
and realizing how many millions of people around the world. Depression is one of the leading causes of death around the world. Here in the United States, one in five people will suffer from mental health issues and the rippling effect. It's not only the person who suffers, the entire family and the social circle. And so because of the stigmas that we still face, the snap out of it, oh, you're faking it, you're looking for attention. Oh, come on, man, go get some fresh air. Just, I want people to realize, no, this is legitimate, and you see it in all of its rawest form, and I, I don't mind being the proverbial canary in the coal mine. I don't even mind being a casualty. If this were to cost me some work, so be it. Thankfully, Showtime, WWE, Paramount Network, all of my media friends, the amount of feedback I've received, first of all, is humbling. I got goosebumps, but the support and the fact that so many people are saying we need this now. You have inspired me to phone a therapist. You've inspired me to tell my wife. And it really is about the men, John. The alpha male syndrome that we all, especially in my world and your, our world, where you know you, you show weakness, they say, or you're, you're ashamed of, of, of showing uh, the, the fact that maybe you need to cry or maybe you need to, to, to get some help. I want to make it so that it's okay to not be okay. I want people to realize that there is hope for everyone. The fact that we are losing so many people to suicide because of a stigma. I've looked at the, the, the chandeliers in the hospital room, the light fixtures, wondering if it could hold my weight. I know the feeling. And because we're not in a wheelchair, because I'm not on crutches, because I don't take insulin or even have cancer to go and have chemotherapy, all debilitating, all incredibly egregious. I'm here to tell you, John, that I would I would welcome any of those scenarios compared to what we have to go through on a daily basis. And the, and the real pain and suffering is because of the fact it, it's so unnecessary. So that's why I don't mind bearing my soul as I'm doing now and in the documentary because I want to save one life. I was going to ask you, I mean, because watching this, I mean, knowing you as a friend and knowing you as a colleague, it, it, I think it made it even more real and more powerful. But I think anybody that watches it, it's, it's so well done. I mean, I was brought to tears on Thank a couple you. different occasions. But I wonder for you, you know, seeing the project come together and watching it from the outside looking in for the first time, I mean, was there any part of you that was like, this is too much? You sure. know, this is, I, I, can't, I can't let people see this side of me. <laughs> it's funny. I, 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 wanted to be, I wanted it to be worse, to be honest. When I saw it, and don't get me wrong, it was, it was startling. It was, I felt awkward. I felt embarrassed. At times I cringed. Uh, but I realized what the impact was with everyone else in the room and, and for me. And so I, I actually made sure I wanted the documentary to be bipolar because my life in a nutshell has been. It's not just a diagnosis or even a label. It is the fact that I have, you know, if I experience, I call the two biggest pay-per-views in combat sports history. I've been at WrestleMania. I started my career at 16 on national television in Canada. And yet I've been hospitalized eight to I don't, I, uh, multiple times in my 20s. Didn't think I would escape my 20s. At 21, in my first full-time radio job, which was in my hometown, you know, if anyone knows about the radio life, you have to go to Timbuktu and make $500 a month eating macaroni and cheese and tuna. I, I got to sleep in my own bed and, and be the local, you know, celebrity. Within months, I was hospitalized after, and because I was still dealing with the, the death of my best friend at 19, Michael Jansen, which triggered my first uh, real big meltdown that led to my diagnosis. But I wrote a, a resignation letter because I realized this is not for me. I mean, I did what I did. I was on TV. I got, you know, gave me my 
opportunity to be what I wanted to do, but I'm done. I guess I have to get a regular job or live at home. Um, and so I may, I wrote the letter. My father, who he and I have had an interesting relationship my whole life, old school Italian. The discipline was maybe borderline <laughs> criminal at times growing up, but I, you know, I love my dad. I love my mom. I love my entire family, and they've been there for me throughout this whole ordeal. Thankfully, he didn't send the letter. And the program director of the radio station, this is 1991, Brian Laver in Chilliwack, instead of saying, well, what are we doing? This guy, we just gave him a job. He's going to be gone three months. Are you kidding? Uh, he said, no, there's enough potential, raw talent, work ethic, desire, and he's a good kid. Let's give him a chance. And it began there. And, and I know I've been so fortunate in my life to have everyone look out for me. And I know that there are millions of people and people will be watching this that have nobody. And that is what breaks my heart. And that is what uh, makes me say, you know what? Yeah, I'm a combat sports announcer. I've, I've had a great career. Uh, I want my legacy to be just trying to save people live, people's lives through, through advocacy and through action. I'm, this is just the beginning, John. This, this documentary is just a launch pad. And as there was a picture I put on Instagram, it was like out of The Godfather, Frank Shamrock took of me at the end of this, like the, the, the other end of the table was in another time zone. But I'm like, plenty of room at the table for mental health warriors, and the feedback's been astounding. It's, it's a very powerful piece. I think whether people know you and know your career or not, you know, I think they're going to learn something from it for sure. I want to ask you, you know, about the disease itself, kind of understanding. I mean, you mentioned the, the tragic loss of your friend as, as, as a young man that kind of triggered it. I mean, did that help the progression? I mean, did that contribute to the progression and to what happened? I mean, had that tragedy been avoided, would, would, would life be different for you? I don't understand exactly how it works. Good question. Uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, I think it first began manifesting itself when I got my TV job at 16 uh, in high school, uh, discovered by the wrestling promoter that I'd been watching as a kid and had been visualizing at five years old at the events as a debilitatingly shy, nerdy child that this, this is my world. I'm going to be in this world. And having it come true literally years later, I think it, 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 the mania began to manifest because my on-camera appearances, even looking back now, like they were, people were raving about it. Like, this is real. And wow, this guy's amazing. But it, it's pretty extreme. It's pretty manic. So, and that is the, the, the gift that comes with the curse. And that's the bipolar. They, because my, I believe... It without the, and I wish my best friend was still here because wow, what a journey it's been. And he would have been, he was a bigger boxing fan than I was. He told me at 18 that I was going to work for Vince McMahon one day. He died at 19. I worked for Vince McMahon at 46. Um, but the, the bipolar disorder and mental health disorder, and I can only speak for myself, is you, I'm in rare variation of mixed states. And even now I can tell talking to you, I, the rapid speech, I have racing thoughts. I, uh, no need for sleep. There was a period of time at, at that time where I'd be doing morning radio. I'd go to the school to call a basketball, football, uh, volleyball game for local television, then go DJ at a nightclub for four hours, go from the nightclub, sleep an hour on the boss's couch at the radio station, repeat it. So I knew there, there was something going on. Um, uh, very impulsive, um, drinking a lot, so, uh, um, very promiscuous as, as much as, you know, that's a big part of this, by the way, with bi mental health. The, 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 uh, you put yourself in risky positions. And so what happened to me, the death triggered all of this. And what started uh, the family noticing, I, my irritability factor was off the roof. I would start crying for no reason. 
I would fantasize about my funeral and about death and and I was just not in a good place. And everyone thought I was on drugs. Everyone thought I was just an alcoholic. There was a period of time I remember well, 42 consecutive days where I drank myself into a stupor as a nightclub DJ, obviously trying to, to self-medicate. When the diagnosis was made, I fought it, just like everybody else. There's no effing way you're calling me crazy. Uh, you're crazy. Uh, everyone else is wrong. And I ended up, like I say, uh, in emergency, brought to a psychiatric ward. When I began to start doing research and reading about mental health and, and bipolar disorder, I thought, wow, I could have written every single word here. And that's where I began to then think, you know, if, it, if, if, if I'm one of the, you know, how many others? Like, I thought, does it run in my family, which I quickly discovered on my mother's side, multi-generational. I have a cousin, Claudio, a brilliant chef, owns an amazing restaurant in Vancouver. He's bipolar. Uh, we, we, we know that it can be a wide variety of factors. And John, this is what really scares me even talking to you about this. At the end of the day, we really don't know all that much. They tell you here, take this pill. Why? Because it, it's been shown that it works for your type of illness. Well, why does it work? We don't know. Well, thank you, but no thank you. I don't want the side effects that I've experienced, 30 pounds on lithium. Uh, they gave me something called Latuta once, where the very first night I took it, and uh, hyperbole, right? The greatest word ever? Ronaldo knows hyperbole. No word of a lie for four hours in my apartment, I paced to the point that I was about to run off the patio and jump off the sun deck and end it. And that's, that's supposed to help me. So I sit here and as I've told everyone, and there's, speaking of stigma, the only thing in my life that has ever, ever helped me be normal is cannabis. And <laughs> without cannabis, I would not be working. Without cannabis, I would not be alive. And take that for what you will. Um, it has allowed me to write what I write. It has allowed me to be sociable with people in situations where otherwise I would be anxiety ridden or... Um, just not in a good place. So while I sit here and, and I know about Will Wheaton, the actor who, who talks about antidepressants and and believe me, I know that they help people and people need to seek treatment, John. But please do your due diligence. Please do your research because big pharma is literally killing us. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, it kind of is a, is a subplot almost to the documentary. It's just a little piece of it, but I know this is well, all. I wanted all... it to be much larger, but again, we live in a society where we're still wondering about that as well, right? Something that country. might answer the question, because, I mean, this is very much about mental health, but I was wondering if you hope that that's, you know, another message that gets out there is that, you know, cannabis needs to be a little bit more accepted. 100%. And I, I wish my mother would, would take it. I wish uh, so many people I know who I've, are victims of the stigma. Well, I'm not going to turn crazy. Oh, that, that makes you lazy. That, you know, all you get are the munchies. Or oh, you sit on the melt in the couch. Or yeah, only dumb people do that. And lazy people. <laughs> yeah, lazy people. Anyone look at my work schedule lately? So, I, again, I, what it's done for me, and I even said this. I wish there was something in cannabis. And, yes, I know CBD is a, a big thing right now for people. But for me, it is the THC. And I don't know if there's a, a, an amount of THC that they can be put in a pill safely without the maybe overly euphoric effects to, to help people. But I wish more is, in, is investigated. And on top of all this, John, when it comes to mental health treatment and, and even me now dealing with it for 28 years, and, and, and it's a constant work in progress. There is no cure, my man. We need resources. And for, if it's not for me, for the, for the people 
who put their bloody lives on the line to go somewhere to, to, to fight for this country or for fight for their country, and then we just cast them off when we bring them home? They need mental health help. We need to put millions of dollars, and again, as, as, agree, as I know cancer is, is the worst, I get it, but we all know about cancer. We all know, we, we discuss it openly. Why can't we do the same thing with something that is literally killing people? Because they can't talk about it, or they're made to feel like they can't talk about it. So what is the overall goal with this? I mean, education, you said, you know, kind of smashing the stigma or something that you say in there. But what, what really can be done? As you said, I mean, it, we need funds, we need yes. resources. So, so give me the, the overarching goal for this project. The, the main goal for me was to, to show people what mental health really looks like and, and to show the, 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 the positive, because I'm fully functional as a human being and successful at my job, to show the, the, the drawbacks, the impact on families, uh, to educate to have uh, experts talk about the illness and, and, and what it is, but mainly to try to get one person sitting out there watching this documentary going, oh my God, this is me, but I haven't been able to tell anybody because I've been ashamed, I've been embarrassed. Maybe I don't need this rope. Maybe I can put this rope down and make a call and get some help. And already, just with the, the 30 seconds and the one minute teaser, and uh, whether through Instagram, Twitter, email, I, I can't tell you how many people have already said save their life or try to save their life. So what more, I mean, as a human being, guys, I, I know, yeah, we want to succeed in life. We want to have a, a career. Too many people don't chase their dreams out of fear. I'm mentally ill. I never stopped chasing my dream. So please, you know, just... Don't suffer in silence, and, and I know people out there are going to be watching saying, yeah, this is all nice and what a feel-good story, but so what? The, the, you know, the next day we go on with our lives, and there's so many people that are living with this condition right now that, well, how dare you, you know, now? Like it, it, people are ashamed. They're embarrassed. Of what? So I, I applaud those of uh, my, my brethren in Hollywood in the music industry, Logic, man, what a, what a great dude. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, the NBA, uh, Mariah Carey. Just please, guys, it's, it's oh man, this, is, this could be so easy to fix. Really, just change the mindset. What should people do? If somebody is, if it is that one person that's watching and they say, I identify with that, I know exactly what Moral's talking about. What should that person do? Where, where, where can they reach out? Who should they turn to? There are, um, thankfully, a, a lot of great organizations out there, including NAMI, uh, the National uh, Alliance of Mental Illness, and, and you know what? The doctors. We need better uh, medical conditions. I was hospitalized in America one time. I have money, so I, I, I thought I was paying for the best treatment. I've never been in jail, John. I can't imagine jail being much worse. So uh, we need help, but I will say, email me, Moro at MoroRinello.com, and I mean that. And, and yet, just reach out to someone that you trust and care. We all have a friend. None of us are truly alone. You might think that, but you're not. Use social media. Go and tweet out. Hello there. I need help. Watch what happens. And all we need to do is open the lines of communication. And, and I hope... Uh, like I say, that this becomes, we, we talk about fights ad nauseum. We talk about the weather ad nauseum. We, we talk about reality shows ad nauseum. Can we start talking about something just a little more real? 
what you've accomplished in your professional career is amazing by any standards, but you know, knowing the daily battle that you have, uh, I think it, it makes it even more incredible. But where do you see your future? I mean, where do you see yourself growing professionally, doing, I mean, especially knowing how much of a struggle it is on a daily basis for you to, 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 to get to work, yeah. basically? Uh, yes, John. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, not even 50 years old and everything I could have imagined, and then some. It's, it's incredible. I definitely want to become a bigger and more hopefully prominent advocate for mental health issues, but I also believe that I can make it entertaining because uh, in history and throughout even our industry now and in the arts, Robin Williams, God rest his soul, man, my idol, I, I, he once said we're all touched by a little bit of madness, and we are in, in whatever way, shape, or form. For me, I want, I want to, to, to make it where you can wear your condition and not be defined by it, but be proud of it. And, and whether it's through maybe a version of uh, Coachella that deals with the, the mental health issues. Imagine the artists. Imagine the musical acts. Imagine the comedians. The, and just have a stage where it literally is open mic and you go and tell your story without fear of, of judgment or scrutiny. I want to do a, a mental health podcast, but again, talk to the brilliant minds and talk to the entertainers. And, and you know what? In the end, I, I want to just become a voice of hope. I hope to do more uh, VO, voiceover work for audiobooks, maybe. Hey, if a movie trailer company looking for a new voice, a new up-and-comer, this young buck. Uh, but no, honestly, I, I do want to continue as long as I can with WWE, Showtime, and Paramount Network. I love combat sports. I love the storytelling, and I'll do it for as long as they have me, but I, I definitely want to uh, uh, create an, 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 a production company, an entertainment enterprise that, that has mental health at its core. What if somebody's watching this documentary and they don't necessarily identify with themselves, but they see somebody else in their life that they say, maybe that's what's going on with this person. Is it okay to reach out to that person, 100%. or is that, is that taboo? That's exactly, John, what they need to do. Please, please, please do. Please, <laughs> please. And don't matter what they say, fight for it. If they say, no, nah, don't worry, well, how dare you, you know, or none of your business, keep, keep scouting around because how many people, and again, I know firsthand, people that showed no signs, they had the perfect life dead at the end of the week. At the end of the day, what's the target audience here? Do you feel like... I mean, is, I, is it I combat sports fans? Nope, is it, you nope, know? No, nope. I, I want it to be the world. I really, truly do. And you know what? This, and thank you. The, it, I don't, I, I'm sure this is not for all ages viewing because it is pretty hard hitting. I would like to make, uh, uh, edit a version for kids and, and schools. And I really believe, especially nowadays, the conversation has to start earlier and earlier. And we see it uh, in children. And, and again, instead of just simply medicating them. And you'll see what medication has done to me in this documentary. And, and by the way, I'm not here to rail against all big farmer. And I understand certain things help. I've seen what it's done to my mom. I've seen what it's done to myself. I, I, I prefer something that Mother Nature has provided me. Fair enough. We've talked about some heavy stuff. Let's, let's get some lighter sure. issues if you're all right. You know, one of the great scenes in there is, is the crowd chanting Mamma Mia. Ah. You know, I thought that was a beautiful thing, a very high point for you. Where did that start? Where, yes. Where did that phrase start? Um, it's a tribute to my mom. Uh, Duilia Ranallo was, uh, or is, is my, you know, my biggest supporter. And she has had the worst, probably, life of anyone I can imagine in terms of her health. She lost her eye when she was six years old in Italy. 
Um, she's been on long-term disability longer than I can remember. She has every health condition you can think of. And, and yet, <laughs> what a spirit. And, uh, yeah, just a tribute to my mom. Very beautiful. And it's, uh, yeah, so, because she, she's always been there for me. She drove me to the BC TV studios. I didn't have a license yet when I started my career. And she, uh, yeah, she'd been put through the ringer by all of us, but especially me, because, again, when you don't understand something and you see a child in a hospital bed. But, uh, yeah, she's, <laughs> she doesn't, she likes wrestling. She doesn't, she thinks MMA may be a little too violent. She likes some boxing, but she watches all of it. And that's because her, her boy is there. And that's, you know, it's not a, it's weird. I always thought, yeah, everyone has catchphrases. I don't need to catch, you know, catchphrases. But it's just, it is a tribute to my mom. And it has become something that has become much larger. And the case in point, at takeover when uh, Champ and Gargano ended up in my lap. My headset flew off and I've never, you know, you're right. I'm an announcer. I'm not a superstar or anything. And to have the crowd do that, that was uh, pretty, you know, I want to thank the crowd in, in New Orleans a lot. That was amazing. And it really did make a, my mom feel cool, too. So thank you guys for that. That's awesome. You know, you talk in the, in the documentary as well about, and, and this is advice I took from you years ago uh, and still believe, you know, in, in work, in, in broadcast work, in commentary work, you know, preparation is everything. everything. you got to have you prepare, it. bro. I know that even with what you do for work. Well, All you guys, I said this to your cohorts at MMA Junkie Radio, you know, being on this side, bro, being the one who's interviewed, because like you say, I'm, I'm usually the one asking questions. It's different. It's amazing, though, how many people don't do their prep, John. Mm. Well, where did you get that from? I wonder, I mean, was that something that you just realized, or was that, did somebody instill that lesson? Born, my friend, and you'll see it in the doc, too. For whatever reason, a curious mind. Out of the womb, I was, I was obsessed with knowledge very early. I was reading newspapers and books at a, a probably much younger age than I should have, and I, I just, I, I was obsessed with reading. And it's been something I take to this day. I remember uh, about in my 20s, I used to have a newspaper and uh, my, uh, my friend's daughter, she was five at the time, I came walking up and she goes, Mommy, Uncle Mo doesn't have a newspaper. Is everything okay? <laughs> so I'm just, it's, it's, and it's weird because I try to incorporate as much as what I know or hear, like I try to stay on top of pop culture, the music entertainment industry, to, because I truly believe that not everyone watching is going to be a diehard fan, but I hope I can try to connect somewhere. They're like, hey, that's pretty cool, and now I get it, or I might just think, what's this idiot talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, MMA fans, we, we, we like to claim you as our own, but, uh, but you're doing some pretty big boxing stuff these <laughs> yeah. days, too. So I want to I get your thoughts. I mean, for years, it was like MMA versus boxing, and MMA, you know, you couldn't be a fan of both. I think Crazy. that's changing now, but Crazy. what's the idea? What's, what's the state of boxing right now? Give me an idea of the I, health. I have to tell you, man, and again, I've been just blessed, my friend. Do you understand? Like, I took over Showtime Championship Boxing at the end of September 2012. Beginning of 2013, Showtime signed Floyd Mayweather Jr., so in my first year of doing championship boxing, I am calling the biggest pay-per-view star in the game, uh, Robert Guerrero, Canelo Alvarez, and so on and so forth. Boxing, and take it from my Hall of Fame broadcast partner, Al Bernstein, who is, you know, the, the preeminent, I feel, analyst and voice in, in the sport. You know, he's done this for over 30 years. And this, this last year and what we continue to see right now may be the best of them. And that's a huge credit to a man that not only championed my cause with the documentary, but Steven Espinoza making things happen. And, John, it's just like uh, what happened with the Monday Night Wars with WWE and WCW. Competition in any form should push everyone to be their best. And I believe that MMA, 
you know, and the success of the UFC and, and all, you know, Bellator, all these promotions, it, 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 it propelled boxing to get, you know, its head out of its butt, although at times the politics are still there. But what I mean is they have to put together the big fights that fans want to see, the best fighting the best. And now, I mean, in one year, sir, 2017, uh, Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko, 90,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. Anthony Joshua, Carlos Takam in an indoor boxing record, 78,000 in Cardiff. Um, Mayweather McGregor. I, you know, it's, and again, you look at this weekend, I have a doubleheader, split site, uh, Washington, D.C., Gary Russell Jr., lone loss to Vasily Lomachenko, who's at, you know, another level, but Gary Russell Jr. may be the fastest hands in the sport against Joseph Diaz Jr. I called his professional debut on CBS in December 2012. We, both of them are Olympians. Uh, Adonis Stevenson, one of the most dangerous left hands in the game, defending the light heavyweight title against Badu Jack, who's already a two-division champion. You see me getting excited the way I do about a lot of stuff, but, and this is not just to sell it. Uh, boxing's in its best place. ESPN, uh, we have, of course, Showtime, HBO. We have uh, Eddie Hearn wanting to make waves. And again, this will hopefully make everyone say, okay, we got to put our best foot forward and, and put out the best product. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a great time to be a fan of combat sports, really. It is. You mentioned the, the, the crossover fight, of course, Mayweather McGregor. We still hear rumblings that Floyd's, is, is Floyd going to get in an MMA cage? Uh. What did I say when they asked me about Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor in the boxing ring? He will do what Floyd wants to do, and we will watch it. As much as, you know, look at 50 Cent now with Scott Coker. I know you're hanging your head, but brother, you are, you're, a, you're a journalist, right? I've never called myself that. I don't have a degree. I'm, never, I'm, I'm a broadcast personality, play-by-play guy, announcer, whatever. But when I say that, look at the rankings, John, or whatever ratings are. It doesn't, we don't live in that world as much as we would love to. We have to put butts in seats. We have to, well, they have a new TV deal, but we have to sell pay-per-views or, or sell events. And whatever it takes, there's, there, it's a noisy world. There's too much choice. And for me, honestly, in my position, I've lost a lot of work, believe it or not, as much as I work, because everyone's booking the same night and there's, there's competition always. So for me, we have to do whatever can make noise. Scott Coker wants to make noise. Should 50 Cent fight? Probably not. Again, if he steps in the cage, are we going to be watching? Probably yes. I will absolutely be watching. So when you hear of like a, a Chuck Tito 3 possibly Again, happening. I don't want to see it. Because out of their, me, it's because I love and respect them so much, and I don't want to see them embarrass themselves because I don't want to disrespect them like that. But come on, guys. And, I, I, you know, look at Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, marching him out at 38 to face the wrath of Larry Holmes, I still think, honestly, the people responsible for putting Ali in that situation should be in jail. You, what, what, what especially fighting. I understand baseball and, and basketball and, and even football and hockey, those, those two are very, you know, violent sports. Fighting, you don't get better with age. You know, the Randy Coutures, the Bernard Hopkins, George Foreman, outliers. Definitely. Let's talk about another crossover athlete then, Ronda Rousey. Woo! Lifelong you know, wrestling fan that you are. Give us the evaluation. How's she doing over there? When uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H, uh, texted me about Ronda Rousey coming to WWE, I'm not going to lie. At first I was like, wow, this schedule, this, she thought she was under the microscope before in the spotlight. I mean, WWE is a machine, a marketing machine. And as much as I look at boxing and, and UFC or MMA, Bellator, all of us, 
You look at WWE and its global reach, but the social media just, it's a juggernaut. And I thought, considering, as we now know, how she handled the losses and, and uh, hey, I probably, in my condition, I may have been a lot worse. I, I just say, I wondered, I go, wow, is she going to be able, even though I'm sure she's not going to have the, the same schedule, and I know Brock Lesnar has a, an amazing uh, schedule, but I mean, in order for her to gain the respect of the crowd and even her peers, she's going to have to put the work in. He told me she was fully committed, and so when I saw her, and let's face it, her microphone work has never been the best, but so what? A Miracle Krokop, Vidor Emelianenko, she's, a, she's the baddest woman on the planet in many ways in her you know, Chris Cyborg, of course. I wish we would have saw that fight. Uh, but what happened at WrestleMania and her debut? And again, hyperbole aside, maybe one of the greatest debuts in, in sports entertainment history. And not only do we credit her, but man, oh, man. And of course, you make an investment. But Triple H and Stephanie did yeoman's work. And, and, and all involved. Kurt Angle. But yeah, Ronda made everyone. I was in the crowd. I actually sat with my brothers way up in the, the crowd because I wanted to experience WrestleMania as a fan and never got to do that. And I'll tell you, she had the biggest pop of the night. Still gives me goosebumps. So if she can, uh, you know, continue to improve and, and stay hungry, because that's the other thing. She was the biggest, one of the biggest stars in, in the world and make all her money. So, but I, from what I understand, she is fully committed to the cause. So I, I'm cheering her on. You mentioned Fedor, you mentioned Krokov. I mean, you have a connection to Japanese MMA. Nothing's been able to replace pride no. since then. But you understand the culture over there probably better than most. Do you, do you see, uh, is there an opportunity for, a, a, you know, a big juggernaut in Japanese MMA, or have those days passed us by? I don't, I don't see it right now. I don't. I, and it's funny, I, being back in San Jose last Saturday for Bellator, I'm not going to lie. And, of course, San Jose, one of my favorite cities. And how many amazing events. Uh, you know, the, the town that Frank Shamrock built, really, when he kicked it off legally with uh, uh, Caesar Gracie. But w- the reason I bring it up now, that, that presentation, and, again, Scott Coker, the connection to Japan, those temple shows for Bellator give me a slight, slight tinge of deja vu and, and like, okay, this is cool. And that's where, honestly, the UFC, which, again, they want to be sport, and that's great. But when they got rid of the ramp and everything because it was too much like WWE. And, and now, you know, it works what it works. But you do need, I believe, we are in the entertainment business first. And so, uh, for me, I think Bellator can do even more. And with the, the storytelling and, and character development. And as we've seen with guys like Dylan Dennis, who... Some crazy like a fox, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Oh, am I trying to be Conor McGregor? Whatever. Uh, Sean O'Malley. All the, these characters who are utilizing social media, the microphone. Uh, yeah, it's cliche. You don't all have to sound like pro wrestling heels or, Fred, or Floyd Mayweather. Be the best version of you. If you're the nicest guy in the world with a mean streak inside the cage, let's see that. If you you know, let's let's hear you market yourself, man. Well, I was going to say, man, I think there was a oh, there was a time when it was probably necessary to differentiate from pro wrestling, right? When people were trying to educate on mixed martial arts, but yep. but now maybe not not so much. Buddy, anymore. I've always said this, and you brought it up in the past uh, about boxing versus this, boxing versus that. <laughs> you know, when I left Bellator MMA on Saturday night, and I was walking backstage, there was a section of the audience, and I heard the cheer, and I'm like, what the hell are they saying? Like the fights are over. Maybe it's these local guys, and I'm listening. I'm listening. And they're chanting NXT at me. And I cheer, I acknowledge them. They go, so that's an MMA crowd acknowledging NXT. When I go to, hey, buddy, you're, you're, the, the, there's so much. And I believe there's still so much crossover to be done with all three. 
in terms of whatever they want to do. I mean, I know business and, and ego and, and you, you know, we're the, we're the monsters, but I, I think there's, there's so many fans that are fans of all three. And if you're not, that's fine too, but definitely you can coexist. There's, you're no longer a pariah. Look at DC, Daniel Cormier, who was in the house on Saturday and, and so many, so many mixed martial artists are pro wrestling fans and vice versa. Who's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time? The greatest mixed martial artist of all time is get ready for this. Three letters, one word. Yes. <laughs> and I'll be running for office next year, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, honestly, the greatest heavyweight of all time is Fedor Emelianenko. Right. Greatest mixed martial artist of all time, man. How... Uh, Again, what are we talking about? Frank you got to show Frank Shamrock's name Shamrock's out there, right? <laughs> honest to God, and this is not because he's here and how much he's helped me. Frank Shamrock was the Conor McGregor of his day. Frank Shamrock came around at the wrong, wrong time for the sport and for everything else. 5-0, and oh, wrecking people, not even wanting to fight. He hated fighting, and yet baddest man on the planet. And, and then when he came out of retirement, what he did for Strike Force, what he did for MMA in California, what he did for MMA on network television, Frank Shamrock is right up there. But I would say right now, when you take in everything into consideration, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is, is simply incredible. John Jones, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre. Yes, but there's, there's still, I don't know, I see question marks everywhere there. I don't see any question marks with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. All right, man. Well, you've been great with your time. Well, Thank I appreciate you. it. Bipolar Rock and Roller. Everybody's got to watch it. Thank you. That was more Ronaldo. I'm telling you, I cannot recommend enough for everybody to watch this. I mean, anybody that's a fan of this show or anybody that listens to the show, of course, will be a, a fan of more Ronaldo or at least aware of more Ronaldo, and you'll and you'll want to to learn about him. But I'm telling you, I mean, anybody could watch this. Uh, you know, the, the, whether they know about more or not, it's 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 effing powerful, man. I'm telling you, like, please watch this. Please watch this. It's worth it. And man, just the emotion that he brings to the table, the the the, uh, it's just powerful to me. I mean, what he's saying makes all the damn sense in the world. So, uh, please, please, please do check this thing out, man. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, from, from a after watching it, man, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely worth it. I, I tell you something funny that happened to me, uh, cold coffee traveling. I think I lost a driver's license somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I think I lost a driver's license somewhere because I'm pretty sure that my driver's license isn't expired. But when I flew out the other day, I, I did a little day trip out to L.A., and when I when I got there in the morning, uh, I, 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 the, the first guy in the morning, he looks at my ID, and he's like, hey, bro, now my, my birthday, by the way, is, is March 15th, and, of course, your, your driver's license always expires on your birthday. So my driver's license is March 15th. The guy looks at it, and sure enough – I don't know what the hell. Again, I'm, I'm pretty sure because I, I don't remember my license expiring. I'm pretty sure I just lost one somewhere. He goes, he goes, hey bro, this expired on your birthday in 2017. I'm like, oh, uh, okay, I'm sorry. And the guy, and again, this is first thing in the morning. I'm taking like the seven o'clock flight out uh, to L.A., it, which of course you've been on many times for the for the for the morning uh, for the lunches out yeah. there. He's like, but don't worry, man. He's like. You can still fly with this as long as it's within a year of expiration. I'm like, okay, it's May, and my birthday's in March. But <laughs> I was like, all right, thanks. Boom. See ya. See ya. So I, so I go But you still it. had to do it on the way back. So here's what happened. So he's like, yeah, man. He's like, Yours, it's expired, but you're lucky. 
because you're still within that year. And I'm like, well, I'm not actually player, but thank you. I appreciate <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. So I, all right, so I fly. I don't even think twice about it, right? Go out there, you know, hang out, do the thing, come back. On the way back, I'm at LAX, and I, I walk up, and it's, it's it's you and I have been there multiple times. I guess they've changed the layout a little bit. So I didn't have uh, um, pre-check, uh, but, I, of course, I had priority or whatever. So I walk up, and the guy's like, bro, this is expired, and it's past a year. You can't fly with this. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything else on me, and I, and, and I flew here you know, this morning on it. And he's like, I don't know, bro. And he hands it back to me, and he's like, by the way, you're not even pre-check anyway. He's like, you need to go down there. He's like, maybe that guy will sort it out for you. And I was like, all right, thanks. So I was like, oh, oh, okay, well, I mean, you basically just denied me, but you're telling me to go down there. Cool. <coughs> Dude, I walked down to the other one. I handed it to him. And the guy just looks at my ID, looks at my boarding pass. He's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> That's awesome. So, dude, <laughs> so bottom line is I'm pretty sure I have a driver's license somewhere that isn't expired. Wow. But for some reason in my wallet right now, I only have the expired one. Yeah. And uh, three different people I talked to on one day all gave me three different answers. Yeah. So, hey. You have to, but I mean. Beautiful safety. That's crazy, though. I mean, because, like, if you don't remember, like, taking your ID out or anything recently. I know. I think I, you I'm, had to have flown dude, with I'm it. Sure I unless it was just like you just did international ones or something. I'm sure I left it in a bar or something. Let's be honest. And then you were like, oh, where's my ID? Oh, here it is. All right. You uh, have to start carrying your passport till you get that sorted. I know. Well, fortunately, <laughs> next week I have to carry my passport anyway, so I'm going international. Uh, okay. Quick, quickly, USC 24. I know we're late to the game on this. Amanda Nunes, Raquel Pennington. Everybody's talked about it. Give me the uh, idea. You were there. You yeah, were on yeah. the ground. What was the feeling? Again, I don't want to spend the whole show on You're this. You're whether a the lot fight should have stopped. Or? Yes. Everybody's been talking about this, and, and I feel like we should at least talk about it at least briefly. I have some other things I want to talk about, but at least briefly. Uh, what was your take? Uh, yes, on you were there. You were on the ground. I'm sure you were in the back. You were watching the broadcast. Mm -hmm. uh, you heard everything. Raquel Pennington's corner, sending her back out there after she says she's done. Uh, give me an idea. What was the feeling on the ground in, in Brazil? Well, I know uh, I was sitting by uh, casing those guys. And I know when, when I saw it, I initially thought, like, wow, that's shocking. She literally kind of says she wants to get out of there. But then when I heard the coach kind of giving her the pep talk, um, I just initially sort of – Thought like one, okay, yeah, they could stop it. You know, maybe maybe they'll throw the towel if it gets bad. But I initially read it as he was doing what he was supposed to by motivating her to to get past whatever moment that she felt. You know, um, and I always assume you know in something like that they know how far a fighter really can go before they're broke, before they're really done. And I don't. It just felt to me that they hadn't got to that point, but uh, at least mentally yeah. I mean, her nose was destroyed already at that point you know and it felt like you know going back out there wasn't going to do any good but um it just felt to me like if they were really worried about uh what damage might have happened that they would have pulled it I that they would have stopped it i didn't i didn't, I didn't, hate, hate, it. I didn't hate part it. of me was watching i was kind of thinking that maybe a towel would come back in or if there was an issue but i, I didn't I, I didn't remember feeling like 
oh, that was a travesty well, that's, that didn't and, that, and I guess that's why I wanted to talk about it because I got to be honest with you. I didn't hate it, and I think what you said, it was that evaluation of, of body language, of mentality. You know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, well, look at what happened with Nate Marquardt and look at the way Trevor Whitman handled that. Yeah. But, dude, that was totally different. That was a Nate Marquardt who we all knew was getting close to the end of his career. Yeah. You know, he was he was getting busted up by Kelvin Gastelum, who's, you know, 10 years his senior plus. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, he was wobbling back to the corner. Well, he was you know dejected. What I mean? His he, head was down. Yes! Like, I mean, like Rocky was yes! looking, was looking in his eyes, was standing up when it happened. And she said it the one time. Yep. And as he was I'm like, done. I was like, done. you know, was like, you know, you need to get your mind right. You need to switch where your head's at. You know, there was no more of it. There wasn't, uh, you know, but More, coach. A, a conti- yeah, continue. There was there was no like you know backs, and I think and, if she would have so did that, easy then because of what happened after that, because she got taken down right away, and then because you know the ground and pound finished everything. I think it's so easy to judge her team. Yeah. But like, let's say it had gone to a decision. Let's say she had fought another five minutes. Yeah. Let's say she had gotten mounted and it just been some ground and pound and whatever, and it hadn't gotten as bloody as it got. And yeah. the finish. That's hadn't why I think the what way. people really got because there was that point I where no was opened up and like, it was just like ooh. That's what. I think like had yeah. it just gone to the end, I don't think people would be you know the way they are now. Like oh my god, that was just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like had she gone out there, fought to the end, loses fifty to forty five, I don't think people would be like oh my god, that was incredibly irresponsible. This was oh, this was horrible. Yeah. This was awful. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. That's why I want to talk about you because obviously <laughs> I've seen a lot of people crucifying her corner. Yeah, and I didn't have the issue with it. I get it. If a fighter says they're done. I get it. Yes, the corner should be there to protect them. But, I, man, if you put together the physical issue, the physical toll, and the body language, you know, if, if, if what you're using is the Marquardt case to, 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 yeah. to, to, to compare there the two. two different spaces. Completely different. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, she was, you know, on her own looking straight in his eye. I mean, I, I mean, like, I didn't look in her eyes. Like, I wasn't two feet away looking in her eyes and realizing that, hey – it, maybe he didn't see that she wasn't broke. She was having a moment of doubt, and he was like, now that's my point. We've seen this before. You know, you can work, push past this, past this. And the fact that her girlfriend and Rocky, you know, or at least through her, Tisha releasing the statement saying, like, we're all in agreement. Like, that was the right decision. Right. I Like, she knows she would have been upset if it did stop, you know. Um, I mean, I, I just trust the fact that the coach knows better. I don't think – he has nothing to gain by letting her get her ass whipped. If anything, right. I mean, he's just trying to give her the opportunities, and he's there to motivate. And I think I would have had maybe more issue if she would have kept pressing the issue, and then then they kept ignoring it. The fact that she she said she had no, she was done, she expressed she was down. I mean, she she realized she was down four fucking rounds to nothing. I mean, like she was probably feeling pretty down, and like I'm getting beat up for nothing. It's not going to change. Right. Um, and then at the point, she probably was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And, uh, you know, for him to say what he said and she made, I think she started inner, you know, channeling what he was saying. It was like, you're right. I need to change this thing instead of, you know, but coach, I'm done, but I'm done. You know, if there would have been more, you know, uh, professing, like, I can't do this anymore. I need to stop. And then they pushed it out. Then that's I would, then I would have been, then I would have been upset. But the fact that it was said once, and then we heard nothing else, you know. And she, you know, you see when you turn around, and she's going, getting ready to start the round again. She was there. She was ready. I there agree. was no fear. She could have, if she wanted to not be there, she literally could have just, after the first punch, curled up and just 
went into a ball and That's ended it. it. If she didn't Everybody wanna, knows. But she didn't want to turtle she up didn't and you do turn that. your neck. I, I, and she, she didn't do it. So I'm I mean, telling you. I, and, I wasn't upset about I'm, it. I'm a guy that believes that corners should stop fights more often than they do. Sure. And I, I don't think the corner acted irresponsibly here. No. And that's that's the only reason I want to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Listen, the other thing I want to talk about, uh, again, I hate talking about a car that's a week old, uh, but since I wasn't there and we couldn't do an and a half, uh, I figured we got at least one. One name, one name that I want to mention, Davi Hamos. I believe. Oh, yeah. I believe – and I've said it before, and I'm gonna. I, and now I want to. I want to champion even more. I, I don't do a good enough job sometimes. And I'm trying to do a better job of of identifying people that I think you definitely need to watch. I mean, listen, not that there weren't other things to look out for. I mean, you know, Mackenzie Dern and her problems, but her skill. <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum, you know, uh, a hard five victory there. Lineker, I mean, all those things. But listen, I love to me. I mean, everybody's talking about those things. I like the undercards. I like the prelims. I like the people that I need to look out for. And I'm telling you, I think Davi Hamos is going to be a problem in that division. You know, what? will he be a champion at some point? I don't know. I mean, he, you know, he may run into some problems. But, dude, he reminds me of Husamar Pajaras in, yeah. in, in, in the way that he's built. Like, yeah. he's got inordinately long arms. Yeah, I can't believe that. And I said oh. it. I talked to him in the case. I was like, dude. I can't believe this dude's a lightweight. Right? It's he ridiculous. looks too big for the division. He's easily remind, a welterweight. <laughs> it reminds me of Paul Harris. The way Paul Harris, yeah. you're like, how the hell does he make 170? You look at Davi Hamas, you're like, how the hell does he make 155? And again, long arms. Yeah. His jujitsu is just like boom, 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 dude. It's fast. It's, I'm telling yeah. you, if you haven't been watching Davi Hamas, watch this guy. And he's he's speak, going to be a problem. And he's speaking English. I yeah. mean, he's doing all the right things to set himself up. Uh, I mean, it wasn't great, but he was his. I thought he did get a gave a great interview. Showed a lot of personality, yeah. but watching him, he was he was a beast out there. But I remember walking away from that interview, and I was typing up his name, and I looked, and I was like, "Wait, that was lightweight." Yeah, I was like, yeah, "That's man. ridiculous." He's huge. He is so huge for lightweight. That dude easily, easily welterweight, and he probably swells up near yep. uh, middleweight. Dude, he's strong. he's a big boy. Keep your eye on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess uh, I I did mention Kelvin Gaston's name. Should we just be honest, right? Kelvin canceled an interview with us while we were in Brazil with you guys, right? Yeah, he did. He did, but uh, it made good. It made good on media day. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he uh, was upset with some of the he coverage got frustrated. that came out. It was yeah. on Twitter. I mean, I, I I tweeted him. It was it was pretty public out there, but. I don't know. I just thought I thought it was interesting. That's not something that happens to us a lot, and it was disappointing or whatever. But uh, but I guess you know he was upset at us. He was upset at uh, myself, and he was upset at uh, um, you know the site and the way we, we yeah. covered some stuff. And it was but he's pretty never public upset out there, with me. But, yeah, but he's never was upset of Fernando. But no, we did walk up, and it's funny because yeah, when the media day, we went to go have it, and. Uh, uh, Rafael Cordero was like, oh, I'm a junkie, boo. But then he's like grabbing for name. He's like, I kid, I kid, I love you, I love you. And he was grabbing my arm and he was teasing. And Calvin just kind of laughed and we were just like, you know. And we it, tried to have a one-on-one with him, which we do. Yeah. He, I guess they said no. But, of course, so what you're saying is he did turn down the one-on-one with this. But, but he media didn't day. Try to, he didn't try to screw you try to, yeah, he did, we're not talking. Yeah, he wasn't being weird on media day. And I think, you know, whatever uh, – it's been aired or cleared or whatever. So, I mean, like, Media Day was great. He gave a great interview to Fernanda and uh, just kind of laughed about the whole situation. So, I'm sure whatever he was upset at the time, you know, and I get it. You know, like, that's that's more the right. When, when we schedule those pre-interviews, 
we're lucky enough when we get him. You know, there's no guarantee we can't. And, and if he wanted to, to not do that to, to show, like, all right, there's there's me getting back at you. But media day, he did his obligations, gave a great interview. So, I mean, all's, all's well. So, All right, this week is UFC Fight Night 129 in Santiago, Chile. As you can tell as we are recording this podcast, I guess we didn't mention that after we played golf at Eliante, uh, yeah, we came back we to the Costa de Copa. Yeah, we are not in Santiago, Chile. Um, I will say, uh, Jason Silva is there, our photographer that's based in Brazil. Uh, so yeah. we uh, we should have, and I guess we'll find out in the morning, we should have uh, weigh-ins, uh, photos, and video oh, and all that. Nice, so we're nice. hoping for our best there. And then, um, you know, we'll have photos on fight night. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed I'm not there. I mean, listen, we, we've talked about it before. This is not a huge card, but I will say – Demi Maia versus Kamaru Usman, I think is a great fight. fight. I think it's a great fight. I think honestly for Usman, it's a better fight than Ponzinibbio was. Um, I, I, I love Demi, and I'm not trying to rule out that, that he can pull off a, a submission here. But uh, man, <coughs> I think this is a tough fight for Demi, and I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a good matchup for for Kamaru Usman. I think so as well, man. But even like the main card itself, there's some good ones. I mean, I want to see how Alexa. You know, comes and hey, how she comes back. Tatiana a, Suarez is is she's is, tough. Oh my God, that's she's been out, a name she's been too. Gone for, was she injured or something? She's been gone she's for a had while. Some issues. She is a name that has not gotten a lot of respect, yeah. and, and I think she's I mean, undefeated, folks. Uh, her wrestling is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great fight, and I love Alexa Grasso, of course, man. I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of hers, but I do think this is a tough matchup for Tati, uh, for Alexa Grasso. Tatiana Suarez, yeah. her wrestling is incredible. Who'd you go with in your staff? I pick? went with Tatiana Suarez. So did definitely. I. Definitely. So did I. Uh, Dominic Reyes versus Jared Kennanier. Like that's Jared Kennanier a lot, but that 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 Dominic Reyes is a hard hitting dude as well. Yeah. Um, I, I like Andrea Lee versus Veronica Macedo. Macedo has uh, been out for like damn near like two years now at this point, but. Uh, not hard to look at. I'm just gonna say, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the one, the one of the pictures that on the UFC uh, website that actually looks good. I'm just gonna say, uh, well, and Andrew, that is so that is one Andrew to watch. Lee, that's that's that <laughs> that is, that one, is one, one that is not hard to watch. But the one uh, I really like is the one I think you're going to right after that is one that starts off the main card and the Vicente uh, Luque, Luque. Yeah, Vicente Luque is Luque is, is and uh, Chad Laprieve, and that is gonna be a good. Fight. That's a great one, man. Chad Laprise is 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 kind of quietly he is built his way up. You know his, what I mean? His last three fights, he won by a KO. TKO. Chad Laprise, and I think part of it is that yeah. Chad, I mean, listen, I, uh, let's Good just be honest. Him. Chad Chad has he has a stutter, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better, but I think maybe that has slowed his public, you know, like his willingness to be well, he, out there. Yeah, that's it. I mean, because I remember even when the when I was with the UFC, he would do uh, his interviews and. He struggled a lot more with it. Mm-hmm. It's like night and day to what he is doing now. So I don't know if he is just more comfortable, so he, he speaks easier. I don't know if he went to a, a speech therapist about it. Um, but I know for a while there, I feel like he didn't want to get out there and do a lot of the, the interviews, get in front of Man, a lot nervous. of cameras because it, it, it felt bad about it, yep. you know. But dude is such a good fighter. And so you're right. Yeah, he's he's kind of quiet, you know. And, and Reminds when he gets me a lot of I mean, Gray Maynard. Gray Maynard used to be a guy that didn't want to talk to people because yeah, he had that. He, see that. He had a stutter, you know. He had that. That. And then and then he got over it and he started talking about yeah. more. But, of course, um, man. But but now, Chad, there's there's whole fight. interviews that sometimes will go through. And I don't think he even stutters, like, through whole interviews a lot of times now. So yep. he's got it. But, yeah, that is going to – I'm really excited about that fight. My, uh, Michelle Prezera is moving up to 170 as he absolutely should. That dude is not a lightweight as much as he wants to be. He's a he's a he's a uh, a fire hydrant, but the dude can't cut weight. Uh, he's got a tough fight in Zach Cummins, but yeah. 
Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pendoja. It's it's a rematch from from the Ultimate Fighter, but these are two different yeah. fighters at this point. That's one I'm incredibly looking forward to. Humberto Bandanae versus ah, <laughs> you love it. Humberto Bandanae versus Gabriel Benitez. I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be a hell of a scrap. And Enrique Barzola versus Brandon Davis on USC Fight Pass. I'm, I'm telling you, these I'm, this card. I'm telling you right now, this card. I get it. Like, I understand why our bosses did not want to send us down there. Like, there yeah. are not a lot of English-speaking fighters on here. Yeah. There are not a lot of, like, big click-type, you know, people, the big targets yeah. or whatever. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm telling you, stylistically, you look at that, yeah. there are some great, good great fights. Card. Great card. Great, great card. So, yeah, it sucks to not be there, but you're right. But, shit, I'll be watching it. That I'm, should be good. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, next week is going to be interesting, too, right? So here's yeah. So, here's what's happening next week, just so you know. Uh, I'm going to do Liverpool by my Well, I say by myself. So I'm going to do Liverpool. Cold Coffee's not going with me. But I'm going to do Liverpool. Interestingly, uh, Sandu, Shamakar Sandu, and Abby Subban will do Bellator 200 in London. And then after that, they're going to come up in time for the weigh-ins. Remember, it's a Friday show and a Sunday show. So they're going to make their way up. So uh, MMA Junkie will have full coverage of Bellator 200. And then I will basically be covering the pre-fight stuff for UFC Fight Night 130, uh, Thompson versus Till by myself, but then they'll come up. So for weigh-ins and Fight Night, we'll have a full uh, a full crew. And uh, yeah, man, I think I I think it's gonna be a fun week between those two fight cards. I think it's gonna be a, a, I agree. a good week. Man, Cra- who's a, who's a crazy, Craig White right? that's going up getting a debut against Neil oh, Magny. Oh yeah, he just came in. Just not came in. doing him any favors. Yeah, <laughs> just came in from Cage Warriors. I mean, at least at least Magny's still on there. You know, and, and we'll talk about this next week more, but, yeah, it, it kind of sucks because the, the card in Liverpool, I mean, there's some fights. I'm Jason Knight's on there. I didn't know Knight was Jason on there. Jason Knight and McQuan Amir Yeah. Come on. Amirkani, that's going to be a good that's one. That's a great fight right there. Las Vegas on Eric Spice. out there. Oh. Wow, this is kind of a good card, too. I, I'm telling you, there's some fun fights on here, but as far as – you know what's the, what's the what's the casual fan looking forward to? Yeah. What's about, you know they're going to be looking at Nordine one fight. Taylor, but that's a good one. I know. I'm telling you, there's some fights on. Here. Wow, Daniel. Oh, Daniel Kelly. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Kelly still doing it. Dan's Army getting in there against uh, Tom Brees. Who remember Tom Brees? And and I mentioned I'm, I I want to talk about this. I mean Tom Brees, uh, the one that basically I, I hate to say panic attack, but that's basically right. I mean. See the one that tapped out like no, um, no. Remember in Poland, he had to pull out. He had like a, a, oh, a raised okay. A, a, you know, it was it was basically like the, the the full medical was raised heart rate. Yeah. You know, right before, but okay. it, it sounded kind of like a panic attack. Yeah. You know, which I mean, goddamn, I'd have a panic attack trying to step into a cage with somebody. Right. You damn near had a panic attack just having to go play golf this morning. Right. My phone was very proud of me. It said I I hit my my uh, desired range of uh steps for the day nice see hooray for golf and good old jillian robertson i like her oh yeah she's fun she's fun so man that's a good card man and then oh and theodora down there at the bottom you have to go even further down see? and uh gina mazzani and landsberg's on dude that's the first time i've looked at that card that's a good card <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for that's a good card you in-depth analysis first time i looked at it <laughs> Yeah. There's just too much shit. There There's just too lot. much shit. There's a lot. There's a lot. Well, all right. But you're the smart guy. I'm just the, I just bring the looks to the podcast. <laughs> I hope you all appreciate looking at me. So, that's what that's what I always think of. Intelligence and looks. That's right, you know, and I'm I'm working on keeping keeping the looks. Keeps. 
Keeps.com slash road. All right, well, listen, uh, whether a uh, pre-show 18 holes is good or not, I don't know. Felt good. But it got done. It did. It was fun. It was our day off. It was good. We're going to get back into the mix tomorrow. And uh, in the meantime, hopefully this turned out okay. So uh, thanks for listening. (laughs) 